Welcome back to Anyone Can Play Guitar, podcast where we learn every Radiohead song on the guitar in order. My name is Austin Diaz. My name's Nick Kendallsberger. It is time for Hail to the Thief. Austin, how do you feel coming into this season? Trepidatious. Is that a word? <laughs> I don't know if that's full a of, word. But full, we'll, of trepid- full of trepidation. Yeah, I am feeling very conflicted. How did you feel when Hail to the Thief was first released? I was just excited. You? When we were at DePaul University in college, the album came out. And at that time, I actually wrote uh, music reviews for the newspaper. Mm -hmm. So I was so excited because this was going to be the first Radiohead album that was coming out while I was the music critic at the paper. And I could not have been more excited. Yeah. And then I had to write a not so glowing review. I remember. <laughs> I worked at the I worked at the newspaper. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I was the features editor. I like I I edited that review. My opinion of the album at the time was just like what what the hell happened? I did like a lot of the songs, as we'll get into. But I felt, particularly the first half, I had a lot of issues with. One of my very distinct memories of sophomore year at DePaul was I had my Disman, and I was walking around with this album, thinking like, wait, this has to be good, right? It's Radiohead. And like mm-hmm. just walking around, like as I was going to the library or the coffee shop or the class, like listening to it and thinking like, I'm just, I just need to get into it. And I just couldn't, especially that first half. It was so confusing. Thinking about it, I think it was a necessary step for artistic appreciation development. Being able to admit that something that someone that you loved and things that they, you had loved in the past that they had produced could produce something that wasn't great. Especially on our trajectory with Radiohead, like you have OK Computer, which is like universally acclaimed. And then they come out with Kid A, which I would say it has universal acclaim now, but it didn't then. And it really split True. fans. And then Amnesiac, even more split opinion. But like if you stuck with him, especially as I did with Amnesiac, having better taste, knowing that it's the better <laughs> album, you know, like they made they made you commit, right? Like you had to like yeah. artistically appreciate Radiohead. You had to like, yeah. be like, this is what I'm into. I like this sort of stuff. It doesn't have to be manufactured pop music or whatever. I like whatever it is they're doing. It's very artsy fartsy, probably. And then you have the other step of like, well, they can also make something that's not great. That's a really good point. I have had an interesting experience with this album returning to it now. I feel like I better understand it. They were trying to do something very different here. And in that respect, they did it well. Though I'm not having a super fun time learning the songs on guitar. Yeah, I mean, we'll get into that. I remember not liking this album so much, but I remembered it, or I had it in my head that it was like a really a guitar album. It's not. I mean, there's guitars. Yeah. It's not things that I want to sit down and like, oh, let me play that again. Maybe there's one part that we'll talk about today that I'm like, ah, I like to sit around and make sure I have that mastered. But otherwise, so far, it's not like a guitar riff album. It is definitely not a guitar riff album. I had the idea a few weeks ago that this is actually sort of like a B-side album. 
that this is sort of like a, let's just record the things and see how it comes out. We've talked a lot about Radiohead B-sides and how much we kind of love them sometimes. Yeah. We fell in love with like the Ben's B-sides and even some of the Amnesiac B-sides. Yeah. And so I feel like this is almost a whole album that was created in that same sort of way. You can read loads of quotes from the band saying that they really tried to do things differently. You know, they recorded often a song a day, and they recorded a lot of them in Los Angeles. They had toured them a lot, so they kind of knew the songs. Mm -hmm. But it was like, let's just get in there and do it as quickly as we can and not overthink it. Yeah. Mistake. <laughs> yeah, I think I think before we just get too deep into this album, we should just start off with the first song. Or do you do you have more things you want to say? No, we can we take this that. out. I just I was gonna thought about surprising you as you have often done with me with um, uh, music trivia from two thousand and three. I thought maybe we needed to be like back in two thousand three because I just have sort of a overarching theory about the year in general. Oh my god, yeah, let's do this then, please. So the first one I have to sing, you'll know it immediately. It's part quiz, part let's let's just return to 2003, everyone. <sighs> okay, let's do right? it. I'm feeling You know, it. and All so right. if like, we're going back to 2003, we have to go one, two, three, four. My baby don't mess around because you loves me so unless I know for sure. That's Hey Ya. Yep, that is. That's like the top song of 2003. Like even yeah. on even on Pitchfork, and then you have maybe a not so amazing song. Oh, I don't know what that is. What is that? Yeah, I mean it's you know like it's the best I could do, but it's in the club. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's Fifty Cent, right? Yeah, there you go. And then we have like we have this. That's Red Hot Chili yeah, Peppers. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Can't Stop. Very good. I actually listened to that album a decent amount at the time, the, I did by the way. I, I did too, because like they were still sort of in the Red Hot Chili Peppers renaissance. Before yeah. like everyone realized that uh, Anthony Kiedis was just hitting the same notes. And... <laughs> Singing unintelligible lyrics. I mean, like, you yeah, can understand them, but you're like, did he really just say that? Do I need to know what that means? <laughs> yeah. I've got another, I've got two more. Like, oh, that's the, is that the darkness? Yep. Yes. <laughs> I believe it, I think I'm Yeah, yeah. That was fun to learn, and then maybe you don't know this one. It's like not a hard lick, but you just have to play it fast. Ooh, I don't know that. Aha. Uh -huh. I don't know that song. What are you doing? Hands Down by Dashboard Confessional. 
Oh, see, I was not a dash four. I knew you weren't. I, I knew you weren't. <laughs> I, I, however, was. And the only other seminal one that I couldn't really like, I couldn't really learn a good one for it, but I think for us it's important that we should probably talk about it. Oh, that's Sufjan, right? Yeah. yeah. Wow, yeah, Sufjan came on then. Yeah. yeah. Was that the that's Michigan Michigan album? Michigan album. Okay. Holland. All of that is just to say like 2003 wasn't the best year for music. I mean like Hey Y'all is a great song, but it's a very transitional year. I can see that. Yeah. Because like next year, the next year 2004, you have like Arcade Fires with Funeral coming out, Sung Tongs by Animal Collective. And then a couple years later, you know, you have like Wolf Parade and all of that sort of stuff. And you get into really earnest indie for like the rest of the 2000s. There's this website called Best Albums Ever where they like sort of aggregate like all of the um, yeah. reviews and the charting and stuff. And so like the number one album from 2003 was Elephant. Number two was Hail to the Thief, if you look at critical mm. reviews. And then Muse at number three. Okay. I never got into Muse, yeah, I have to admit that. The Muse, now. and then the Shins, and then Death Cap for Cutie and Postal Service, like one after another. It was a very good year for Ben Gibbard. And then you have this album from Radiohead, which is just like, it's not a sophomore album, but it's, you know, it's the first album where it's like, where are they going? But I just find that it ties in with everything else that was sort of going on in 2003 in terms of like people trying to find, like, except for In the Club and like the Black album, you don't go back to 2003 and was like, yep, this is when it started. I like that. That was really helpful. But the first song is two plus two equals five. thoughts nick i think it's sort of impossible to not be impressed by this song it's built in such a way it's a through composed song so it's like three different sections Mm -hmm. you have to admit that at the time everyone was saying like why don't like radiohead just like rock out again this is almost so funny in the way they do it in that they actually kind of give people what they want loud guitars and drums yeah. you know it takes some time to get there but it's a really like man that feels so good when it happens but you know genuinely the song is very strange so this is a song that's in seven four time so that feels like this like one two three four five six seven one two three four five six seven right. That first part I just I kind of fell in love with it and I spent hours learning it i think i've spent more time learning the first part of this song than almost any other song we've done so far along with the tuning that's uh, drop d the seven four time 
the chord formations you make are strange as well. Mm-hmm. And the song is really fast. Yeah. <laughs> they're chords that are almost familiar, but they're not. And like, I mean, I understand why it's in drop D, but I'm also like wondering why do they have to have the chords this way? Like, yeah, no, I know. <laughs> like, why do I have to play C add or F E flat B like, like that? And like D seven. There's yeah. there's another there's other ways to play D seven. And I mean that progression is really fantastic. Um, in the Brad Osborne book, he talks about how like foreign to rock's harmonic vocabulary, the progression of the um, F7 E flat D7 GM or G minor that sets off this formal surprise belongs not to Harrison or Hendrix, but to Handel. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's very like, like as I've also on the side been like trying to learn lots of different classical pieces on the guitar that actually prepared me more for this album than I was expecting. I know what you're trying to say, like Hail to the Thief is sort of seen as a, a guitar album and it's really not, but it is a Johnny guitar album. He had not been playing the guitar right, <laughs> for like Amnesiac and Kid A. It was like so rare. And then there are a few songs here where he really makes the song, but they're not flashy, wanky guitar bits. They're very... The guitar tone is very clean. Right. It puts me, especially with this song and with many of the songs, actually, like it puts you as a guitar player, at least in my opinion, in this position where like you're actually having to work harder than I expected. Unfortunately for me, at least so far, the payoff isn't that great. You know, I don't want to sit down, drop D and then play this a couple times for like the first two verses. You know, like it's fun, but it's not that fun. There's like other things with their catalog that are just like, it's much more fun to just sit down and play them like Paranoid Android or Street Spirit, you know, just like challenge yeah. myself. Whereas this is challenging in a different way. So I've not quite gotten to where like, I appreciate how challenging it is. I think maybe because I wasn't expecting it to be so with all of these different chord formations. I really do like the first part, you know, then the song gets really loud, you know, sort of explodes. It was in the last season on Amnesiac where I was talking about these sort of songs where Radiohead starts off quiet and then gets really loud are not my favorite kind of songs. This is why you're not an emo kid like me. Yeah. (laughs) Emo is basically like from 1988 onward. It's just like quiet, loud. But I kind of really like the ending. It's such a weird set of chords and it's played so strangely. It's almost poppy at that point. It's weird. Like, I mean, it is three completely different parts, almost smushed together in the way that Paranoid Android was sort of sewn together. Like there's like that link with like the CE and then you have like the the link that goes immediately into the riff, basically. Yeah. You could just see that they're really good at what they're doing. It's almost as though they know that they're really good at what they're doing and they can just do this really quickly. And they're not necessarily challenging themselves to like, oh, how would that be different? How could, how could they do it differently? They know they can do it this way and they do it, and then they just leave it. Whereas I think yeah. like in Kid A and Amnesiac, they, they knew they could do it. They didn't want to do it that anymore. And so they challenged themselves to like, you know, turn the song on its head. I just see like how they sewn these three parts that are pretty disparate together. You can see how quickly they did it. 
No, I think you're totally right. Tom has a quote where he says, like, you know, it's not entirely serious. This song's pretty throwaway, really. It's got guitars in it. We did it in a hurry because it was a test. Nigel wouldn't let us eat anything until we'd done it. It was four in the afternoon and we were all starving. I didn't have any of the words, so I had to write them down very quickly. Uh-huh. And I have to admit, the lyrics to this song are not my favorite. I mean, it's... I mean, you have the Orwellian 2 plus 2 equals 5. It just seems like very on the nose. I don't know. How do you feel about Orwell these days? I like Orwell. His writing is much better outside of 1984. Okay. Like if you're just reading like the Wigan Pier or something like that, it's much more interesting than the kind of like blunt force of 1984. I tried to reread 1984 and I just like... I can't get through it. It's just everything I don't like in literature. You know, it's just like it's trying to tell you something. Right. You know, it's very obvious. As much as I don't like the lyrics, I find them eerily prophetic. I think that like Tom York was probably paying very pessimistic attention to everything that was going on. I mean, because you could yeah. see everything that we're that are big news stories this year. Repeal of Roe versus Wade the breaking down of the separation of church and state in the United States, uh, this war in Russia where it's like it is Orwellian, how the propaganda that is going on in Russia to convince the Russians that like they are denazifying a country run by a Jew. Putin's been in power since then, since before 2003. I wish that he had been a bit more, I don't know, artistic or poetic in what he's saying here. But it's, I find it quite eerie what he says. These lyrics just seem very quickly put together. And I think that they had this song and it is a very exciting performance and it's an impressive song. Yeah. You know, I, I do like it better than like packed <laughs> like sardines, but there are issues here. And I did the thing where I just I listened to every opening Radiohead track one after the other until this one. I mean, like. You know that this song gets exciting, but if you listen to, like, you know, just the first 30 seconds of each Radiohead song, like, you have You, which is, like, gets pretty exciting pretty quick. And then, you know, Planet Telex, which is, like, yeah. w- immediately, like, blows immediately, your mind. yeah. And then the airbag just goes there higher, and then uh, everything in its right place is, like, what is going on? And then, like, packs like Sardines is, like, not great, but you're still sort of, like, ah, this is weird. And then this mm-hmm. is just, like, okay... You, is the guitars and no guitars? Okay, they're doing guitars again, and then it's like really slow. It's a fast-paced song, but like it has like a very like slow, dampened vibe. Oh, that's a good point. I agree with you. The best part is the last part. Uh, I do, I really do respect that they turned like a really insane first part into a rock song. I do agree that it is a you have to sit there and pay attention to it. <laughs> yeah. Um, to understand. Here's another question. All of these songs have two titles. So we're going to vote on if we like the second title better. This is two plus two equals five and also the lukewarm. I'm going to go with the lukewarm. Oh, okay. You? I really don't like the two plus two equals five (laughs) as a title. Yeah. I'm not wild about the lukewarm, but maybe I would prefer that. That's a good that's a good point. I guess the lukewarm is another Dante reference. He's always going back to Dante. That's like, I mean, it's actually, it's one of the passages from the Bible that I remember the best. Re- the book of Revelation, you know, it's like crazy, but actually 
at least in the textual version, I don't know why it's put together this way, but you have like these seven, it opens with these seven letters from Jesus, apparently, to different churches. One of them, he's like, he says, you are lukewarm and I will spit you out of my mouth. You know, because you are neither hot nor cold. You're not righteous, nor are you sinners. You're just in the middle. You are therefore the most hated to me. I'm paraphrasing. But it's like, it's really powerful language. It's probably not from Jesus. I mean, what, if anything is from Jesus. It does pop up in Dante too, but for me, it's like immediately like that. And so that's why I would like it here more. It's like, I think he's trying to indict the people of like, they're not activists and they're not, they're not left or right. They're like in the middle and you're then shouting about when something bad happens. Well, you didn't do anything about it. Would it be a much better title than two plus two equals five? Because immediately two plus two equals five. Like, you know what the song is about, even if you don't know what the song is about. All right. I think that's a good place to stop. Now we're moving to sit down, stand up. So this is one of my whew, least favorite songs. This is probably their worst second track so far. Because I, I mean, Creep is a great song. Right. The Benz is a great song. <laughs> then we have song. The Benz, great song. Paranoid Android. Android is a pretty good song. It's okay. Kid, Kid A. A is pretty great. And Pyramid Song is the best. And so this is one of the, not only do I not particularly care for this song, it's just the idea of putting this after two plus two equals five just boggles my mind because essentially it's the same thing of a slow build and then release. But like a, not the greatest release either. I mean, like, it's just like the raindrops. Yeah. Where Tom York just repeats the raindrops. And Tom said the raindrop section just came out of thin air. I don't know where the hell that came from, to be honest. Got no idea. What do you do? You have anything to say that would change my mind? I mean, it's not about this song. Would change your mind in that it's like the worst second song so far? No. One, it is because like their second songs almost always hit it out of the park. I mean, right. starting with Creep. Two, I mean, I. You're usually the one that like harps on sequencing. And I mean, this sequencing is baffling. It's baffling. I mean, I would maybe like this song in the last quarter of the album. I would like it better. I do have to say I'd like the second verse when, you know, like it kind of starts to be, you know, the sit down, stand up goes, goes with the walk into the jaws of hell. Like I I find, I like how that arrangement works actually, but the voices and what I mean, like listening to it, like the raindrops part, I don't mind. It's not like exciting. Dislike it, I'm just, it's sort of just there. Like, <laughs> the song is just okay. sort of there. And it, I would just let it alone if it wasn't the second one. Yeah, I think the sequencing is one of the reasons I hate it. No, I don't hate it. Maybe I do hate it. I don't know. I go back and forth. But like, it shouldn't be the second song. Right. I mean, you shouldn't have four measures of a drum machine on your second song. I mean, I could go on a whole rant as a that like modern songwriting doesn't wait long enough. It just it's so annoying 
with a lot of recent songs, like pop songs especially, but even like more non-pop, like rock or indie songs, where they just get they get to the exciting part too quickly. I would just want them to wait, but not this long. I I mean I do have to admit that like you, I kind of like the atmosphere of the beginning. It it is legitimately like creepy and like a beautiful part. It is one of those things where I think this could have been just like a little link track or a like two minute long kind of thing. And it would have been really interesting. Yeah. And then, but it was like to turn it into a song, it just gets louder and progressively louder. And I think that it is fun to listen to maybe like the first time. Cause it's, it is pretty unexpected, mm-hmm. um, but it doesn't necessarily reward listening to it again. I mean, I guess it is well produced for what it is. I'm trying to think of nice things to say. Do you think that's but, that York sang every single instance of the raindrops, or is that he did it once and then they looped it? That's a good question. <laughs> okay, so what do you think about sit down, stand up versus snakes and ladders for the title? Oh, I hate both of them. I mean, I don't hate. Uh, I don't hate them. I just find them both like obvious. He does say sit down, stand up a lot, so I get why that snakes and ladders is. Doesn't don't doesn't he say snakes and ladders and a wolf at the door? Yeah, yeah. So I'm not. I, I vote for the first one. I mean, we can wipe you out any time. That's sort of like what the snakes and ladders game concept is. You can just like come either for no reason other than luck. You just come across a spot on the board that like sends you down instead of <laughs> letting you climb up. So this is teaching like three year olds like pretty nasty stuff. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I mean, it's it's just okay. it's, he's just three year olds <laughs> about like the unfairness of life. Basically, it's important to tell, teach them early. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. yeah, working on it. All right. Well, do you have anything else to say? I mean, I just I just feels like this is where the album starts to really like this is the major trip up, and then I'm going to have many more as they go along. But right. I mean, I, I think like my problem with this album, as I was talking about the walking around with it, is that it was on. Sophomore year, I didn't have an iPod. Were iPods even out? But I had, but I had okay. my Sony Discman that you could like walk around with, and it wouldn't really skip. But like you keep it in your, I kept it in my backpack, and I had my headphones on, and so like you just would have to put on an album and then let it go. That's what was so difficult with this album is like just this song, especially like you just trip up. You're like, okay, my, maybe I just put something else on. Like it's just yeah. I'm 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 at I, I'm at class yeah. already. <laughs> Yeah, I, I definitely feel like this is an, a, an intentionally like cumbersome album. I think they did that on purpose, though I have definitely created like a playlist of my like 10 songs that I think make this a pretty good album. Okay. Because I do think that this album benefits from subtraction and rearrangement. Two plus two is uh, three. <laughs> yes, two plus two is three. <laughs> All right. Let's head out to Sail to the Moon. How was it for you to learn this song? Like, 
so this was really interesting. I had a lot of fun playing this on guitar. Essentially, just all of Johnny's lines are so beautiful and just bizarre. I didn't play the song and like sing the song though. Like I just found myself Like, that's really cool. But it's just, it's so classical in the way he plays this part mm-hmm. that I just find that really lovely. But how do you feel about this song? It reminds me of Pink Floyd. Oh, okay. Um, and that's not a good thing. Oh, I know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like Pink Floyd, but yeah, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because, like, especially in the second verse, Johnny's part gets away from that. He doesn't play that. There's all these people that learn all, every single note to every, like, little Pink Floyd guitar solo part that they're playing throughout their songs, and I just find it tiresome. For me, it's, like, not good guitar playing. It's just, like, okay, you've learned these notes. Like, none of these licks are hard. Yeah, I feel very conflicted <laughs> about this song. I feel like there's some genuinely beautiful parts of this song and it just doesn't it doesn't quite hold together like the song doesn't quite work as a song and you know in my less charitable moments this is like a poor man's pyramid song it has the same sort of like dreary Uh like tempo but it's even slower right (laughs) it's like (laughs) I feel like this is just another song that just needed like a revision. Mm. The things about this that the band said are amazing. Johnny says, for every song like I Will, which arrived fully formed and was immediately perfect, there are songs like Sail to the Moon, which weren't great. (laughs) I'm not being rude, but Sail to the Moon wasn't very well written, and it had different chords and only half an idea. It only came together after the whole band worked on it and figured out how how the structure should be. And Phil had some insight on how the song could be arranged. And then it became just about the best song on the album. That was from Spin. I disagree with the last part. It is not close to the best song on the album. It is gets back to like a one of those Ben's era like slow songs mm-hmm. that they're that like you can admire a, a parts of those songs and really beautiful and the playing is is interesting. Man, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I missed that quote, but it also talked about this before. But like this song also represents for me like the direction that I don't like when the band takes and the direction where I feel like they actually really like it, which always makes me doubtful as, like, as to how much I'm on the same wavelength with the band. This song is admirable in that you can admire how yes. it comes together. I mean, I find it. I found it cumbersome to like really work through and like try to learn every single lick that he was doing. Not because they were hard; it's just because that I had to remember like when it came up, and it was a lot of listening to this song, which is slow. When I know like that Johnny would not does not play the same way live every time. (laughs) I think they like it when the band really all comes together, all contributes to the song. Where I realize more and more, I like I like it when. Tom comes with a more fully formed song and then they work with it. I think there's songs that Tom writes and he basically does everything like the previous song or Pack Like Sardines where like they 
he does it and he does it on his computer and then like maybe there's some input from other ones and then they have on the other spectrum the songs that they really do write together and then the songs where like they just kind of take the really good idea that Tom had and make it better and those are my favorite my okay. second favorite would be the ones that Tom just does by himself and my least favorite are the ones that they all do together oh okay because then it's like it, they get into and I like prog rock I do like okay. I like Rush and things like that but I don't like Radiohead prog rock okay I mean okay when I say I like no Rush, but this is very much like one measures you know seven and then the six and then a five like yeah, yeah. it just changes all the time and I think that learning that is probably really engaging in a band because mm-hmm. like you have to memorize that and it's difficult right and sometimes difficult things are fun to like figure out like it's a pro like a math problem or something right. and especially for phil it, like this the drummer i can i mean that you can just tell now that you say that you can tell that he helped arrange it because like that's be really cool if we were like actually did that two four and then five four and now we're four four again I think that's a really good way to put that. I just, yeah, the song doesn't, just doesn't quite work. It's really slow. After they have done something as sort of astonishing as Pyramid Song, it, this feels weird. Well, I mean, and lyrically, like, it's just not even a fair comparison. That is true. I mean, it there's is no pre- reference to anything here. <laughs> You know, there's sort of an idea that it's about, it's for his son. His son is is named Noah. Mm-hmm. And so... That just makes like, it worse. Uh, Sorry. Like... Oh, because of the flood yeah, and yeah. Noah's Ark? Yeah. Yeah. I kind of wish the piano weren't there. Like, it's such an amazing line. It's better than the piano part. Yeah. I was learning the piano part, and it's not much fun. That's what's hard is like a lot of these songs is it's really hard to record them because they're technically getting strange with the time signatures are changing very quickly and all of the chords are weird. Yeah. <laughs> and but I'm not I don't love the songs enough to like really focus. Yeah, I mean like that's to get that. That's what I was trying to say earlier just with sitting down and playing them is that this song you have to sit down and learn it. And you've got this song where if you don't yeah. play it like I was playing, which is the chords, I can't sing it. Yeah. It's just like it makes you work for like not the great payoff of the previous albums. I don't hate it. I just don't like this aspect of the band. And, and, and as we're talking about like a sequencing of an album. By this point, <laughs> I'm pretty lost. Yeah. Because we had two songs that just do nothing but build up. And then we have this extremely lethargic song afterwards. Okay, well, let's get back to the name game. So, Sail to the Moon or Brush the Cobwebs Out of the Sky. They're both bad. <laughs> I like, I, I do actually kind of like Sail to the Moon. I would keep that. I don't, that at least has some imagery. Like, it, I'm excited to listen to a song called Sail to the Moon, even if it doesn't live up. To my hopes. No. I just think of like Sailor Moon. Sailor Moon? Oh, that is true. Oh, I always wow. just think of think Sailor Moon every time. Even though I never watched that show, I just know that it came on. And then we have the next one. Backdrifts. Backdrifts. <laughs> 
What is this song? Like... <laughs> so, this is a song based on a sample. That beginning part was another time, this is another thing from 1998 that Tom recorded on that QY70 sequencer. So it's sort of that he was like stuck in a snowdrift on a train in Japan. Sort of that blowing sound that boom, 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 boom. That sound is something that he had then, and then he didn't know what to do with that. But so then they kind of basically took that and turned it into a song. And actually, I think it was Colin and Johnny basically built this song from scratch. This and the gloaming were sort of heavily created by Johnny and Colin. Okay. And then Tom was like, had to find out what to sing on top. Mm -hmm. um, I am gonna sort of defend this song. I sort of am okay with it, especially the, the chorus. Like if you just play the like, Like, it's kind of fun, but they've stripped everything. Any guitars? Are there any guitars here? No. I don't know if there's I any mean, guitars. No. I find it interesting, but I'm not necessarily surprised that you like the chords because it's almost planetelix. Yeah, this makes sense. You no, know, it's totally, it's a totally like he's just pedaling on the B chord. Yeah. Right? He's pedaling on the B chord in the exact same way that Planetelix does it down to the A to the E minor. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know it's true it's just pen it's like <laughs> planet telex a bit rearranged and i knew you liked this song a bit or would at least defend it i don't dislike this song i just have very little feeling about it my yeah. favorite part is when there's no music and at the beginning of the second chorus and new york is like ah 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 <laughs> like <laughs> that's my favorite part of the song okay <laughs> i like that part too i'm not gonna lie i'm not happy that they basically the end is like really long and it's just the drums. Yeah, um, they could have cut the sh this song down to like three minutes, right? And instead, it goes on. And I don't like that the the chorus and the verse are both in B. Like I think that's why it gets taxing after a while because both the verse and the chorus start in B, right? And so there's no like progression to the song. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's plenty of songs where the chorus is the exact same chords as the verse, so at least like, mm -hmm. at least the chords change a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's one of those things where it's like, I played along with this song, but it's it's not it's not that fun to play, except for the chorus, like, as you did uh, just now. But it being the fourth track on the album, we still haven't gotten, like, I don't know, sometimes I feel like we haven't even gotten, like, a real song yet. I feel like this could have been a B-side. It would have been a B-side on previous albums. Yeah. Right? Right. And Sit Down, Stand Up would have been a B-side on most albums that they did. And then you're sort of left with 2 plus 2 equals 5, which I I can understand. Like, it's not my kind of Radiohead song I love, but whatever. And, and Sail to the Moon with, like, maybe they could have, like, worked more on it, though that's not really even a song sometimes, I think. Yeah. 
So, I mean, at this point in the album, like I'm in Pablo Honey era kind of feeling where I want to get out. I want to leave. Right. I think you're right. Two plus two is just not an opener. It's basically to be generous to the song. It's like it should be in the electioneering spot on the album. Right. I guess so. Yeah. And then uh, sit down, stand up. Is Yeah. It, it's a B-side on the deluxe version of the album. <laughs> Sail to the moon. I don't. I wouldn't put it anywhere, other than like, <laughs> just like. I wouldn't put it anywhere. Sneak it onto like a <laughs> Pink Floyd playlist. And back and back trips. Like I would expect this as like uh, it would have fit perfectly under the uh, Amnesiac B sides. This gets this idea of like I think I if this were a B side I would like it even more than I do mm-hmm. now and. Oh, I would like it. I would like it a lot if it was a B side. Right? Yeah. But what does that mean, though? I don't know. I mean, I think it's because like the albums are the big leagues give me the more fully flushed out ideas. I I mean, yeah. This, but just gets back at how hard it must be to be in Radiohead. <laughs> yeah. Because the whole this whole album was essentially an experiment to see like what happens if we just don't overthink it and work really quickly. Like, we're Radiohead. We make great albums. Like, let's just go in and record, and then we'll release it, and it'll be great. Yeah. That doesn't work. And so that sort of explains, like, why even now they, like, haven't recorded an album in seven years, six years. Yeah. Because it's just, like, such a torturous process. Probably, like, it probably won't if you're listening to the band members talk about it. Yeah, no, I mean, well... That's why they're doing the smile, you know, like I was more optimistic about this album before we started talking. Oh, (laughs) I wasn't as like down on it until like I really started to articulate more and more what I thought about it. And now I'm like, oh, man, these first four songs are rough. Yeah, I think I think it it was so distracting to learn them. I was definitely trying to just get us to record because I have just not wanted to practice. I haven't wanted to learn them. Yeah. And I knew that if we didn't, then I, if we just kept delaying the recording, then I just never would get to it. Right. And now we need to do the two things for backdrifts. So backdrifts or honeymoon is over. I think backdrifts is a fine name for a song. Yeah. Um, I don't think honeymoon is over is a good title. No, that I, you're right. I just don't like then that it like where Backdrifters comes in. The song is called Backdrifters because he says we are Backdrifters. But I agree, Backdrifters is better. Okay, what songs are we doing next time? Okay, so next week we're going to do Go to Sleep, Where I End and You Begin, We Suck Young Blood, The Gloaming, and They're There. All the songs on the Anyone Can Play Guitar podcast are by Radiohead and performed by Nick Kendallsberger and Austin Diaz. 